Lights, camera, action. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Hey everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Last week, we talked about Interstellar, which that uh, episode has done really, really well. We appreciate you guys showing that video some love. And we're excited to talk to you today about our very first musical. So without further ado, today we're going to be covering La La Land. And I think we should just dive right in. All right. So as John said, it is a musical. La La Land was released in December of 2016. The director is, I'm probably going to say his last name wrong, Damien Chazelle. Is that how you say I, it, John? It's close enough. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> um, it is starring Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, and John Legend. The distributor is Lionsgate Films, runtime of two hours and eight minutes. It's rated PG-13, and the budget was $30 million. Box office total was $447.4 million. Yeah, that's, you said it was a budget of $30 million? Yes. Wow, so they did really well. Very well. Nice. Yeah, so I'll jump into a tiny bit of casting details. I only have a little bit. So basically, the only thing that I found was that there were actually supposed to be two different actors for the lead roles. I believe they were like actually committed and in. Um, so Miles Teller was supposed to play Sebastian. And then Emma Watson was supposed to play Mia. And I don't remember why Miles Teller didn't end up going through with it. John might have information on that. I don't remember exactly what I saw. I remember when I was doing research that I think it said when the director wrote the script, because he wrote and directed the movie, um, when he wrote it, he wrote it with those two in mind. And then Emma Watson wasn't able to do it because of conflict with Beauty and the Beast. Right. And so then um, they went to Emma Stone. And with her being a little bit older than Miles Tiller, um, they went to Ryan Gosling. Which, ironically, Ryan Gosling was up for the role of the Beast in Beauty and the Beast, but he wanted to do this movie instead. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I'm so glad that they went with Ryan Gosling. I could not picture Miles Teller. I don't even know. I mean, surely he'd have to be able to sing, but I've never heard him sing before. Can he sing? I don't know. I'm sure he would have taken lessons or something, and I'm sure he would have done fine. Um, And I wouldn't say that, like, Oh, I'm a Ryan Gosling fan myself, but he's perfect in this movie. Like, I really love him in this role. He plays the character very well. Yeah. So I'm really glad that it worked out the way it did. Yeah. Um, so some facts about La La Land. The I have a couple about the director, actually, which I haven't really had before. But one of them is that um the film actually won six Academy Awards, including Best Director, which makes Damien Chazelle, the youngest director director in history to win that award, which I thought was pretty cool. Wow. How old was he when the movie came out? Oh, maybe I should <laughs> research no, that. No, you, you keep saying facts and okay, I will Okay, John's going to look it up. Um, the next one that's kind of about the director is that the, so, you know, the pool party that um, Sebastian is playing the keys at, and yes. it's like a really humiliating job for him to have. Yes. Well, the singer of that band that performed at the pool party, the guy that plays that singer, was actually in a band with the director of this movie in college. So that's why he got the role 
in La La Land. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I did know that the director was a drummer because one of his first big breaks in Hollywood was a movie called Whiplash, which I believe stars Miles Teller and J.K. Simmons, who's also in this movie. Yes. Yes, it stars Miles Teller. So that's probably why he was originally picked for the role, because the director previously worked with him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie's about a drummer, and that was really um, Damien Chazelle's big break in Hollywood, um, because that won a bunch of awards, too. And after that movie won a bunch of awards, then La La Land basically got greenlit. Yeah. Um, so anyways, um, to answer the question from earlier... Damien would have been 31 when this movie came out. Okay. So, yeah, so pretty young. Yeah, re- really young to get best director. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good for him. Yeah. Um, so you kind of led me well into my next fact because it's about J.K. Simmons. So um, J.K. got to choose between two roles, actually, for this movie. Okay. He got to choose between the restaurant owner, which is the one he ultimately went with, mm-hmm. or Mia's dad. Both very small roles, but yeah. I mean, I think Mia's dad probably gets what, like, maybe a minute of screen time when yeah. she goes back home. Which, but, I mean, I'm sure if JK would have chosen that, they probably would have adjusted it a little bit. Yeah. But I'm, I mean, I'm happy with how it worked out. I think his interactions with Sebastian are really funny yeah. at the restaurant. I agree. Yeah. Um, so another fact. During one of Mia's auditions in the movie, she's pretending to cry for a reading and one of the casting people like takes a phone call or something like that during it. Super rude. Yes. Disrespectful. Yes. Yeah. And this was actually based on an audition that Ryan Gosling did and they took that story from him and put it into the movie. I did see that when I was doing research. Yeah. Super crazy. Yeah. Um, another one is that they so the opening scene is like a like just a giant music number. They're all on the, you know, highway interstate or yep. whatever yep. and just in a giant traffic jam. So they actually did not use a green screen for this at all. They closed down an entire freeway mm-hmm. and um filmed it there, which is cool. But I also saw that during the dance scene, it was 110 degrees outside. Yeah, <laughs> So that's I can't insane. imagine doing that. Yeah. When I was reading up, I saw a little bit about that, that it, it took them two days to shoot that scene. And both days it was over 100 degrees. So I'm sure everybody was miserable, especially oh, yeah. those guys, the band members that were, th- in, that the were in the box truck. <laughs> I'm sure they were miserable. Yeah. Um, But... I saw that in order to like prepare for doing that scene, that how they planned it out was they built a miniature of the freeway and had like little model cars and everything to be able to tell like um, the camera where to go for each like story beat and whatnot of the <laughs> opening scene. So they That's like cool. planned it all out that way. Yeah. Okay. My next one is that Ryan Gosling actually didn't know how to play like jazz piano before this movie. So in preparation for this role, he learned how to play piano in three months. He practiced two hours a day, six days a week. And John Legend actually admitted that he was jealous of how fast Ryan picked it up because John had been playing since he was four and he felt like he was as good or better than he is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, and something else on that note, John Legend, obviously phenomenal, accomplished musician who mm-hmm. is a pianist and a vocalist. Mm-hmm. He did not know how to play guitar, but learned how to for this movie. Oh, I did not know that. Yep. So he learned how to play guitar for this movie. And interesting fact about Ryan. So I did see that he learned how to play piano for this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one thing that I thought was super interesting and honestly incredibly impressive was that there were no um, hand doubles used for the movie. Because mm-hmm. I could have seen, like, I, I feel like it's very believable that you know, Ryan practiced that much and that he could nail like one or two songs. But there were several songs in this movie, like a lot of songs that he played on piano. Right. And he played them all really, really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certain scenes in the movie that are cut to make it look like it like is a transition to protect the actor to, uh, you know, not show that it's a hand double that's playing. Because mm-hmm. typically in Hollywood, like if it's especially with music, um, if it pans down and you can't see the actor's face and you just see their hands, usually there's a hidden cut there and there's a double that's actually doing the work. Right. But that's not the case. That was just a shot choice by the director, stylistic, and uh, there were not any doubles used for the entire movie. Every scene you see Ryan playing, he's actually playing that song. So I look, kudos to him. That's incredibly impressive. Yeah, he did really good. Yeah. Um, so next one for, so we all know if you've seen La La Land that, you know, Mia has that iconic yellow dress in the dancing scene and everything. Yes. Um, so they actually took inspiration from Emma Stone's dress that she wore to the premiere of Amazing Spider-Man 2. So she wore a yellow dress there and they took inspiration from that to get her yellow dress in the movie. Oh, interesting. Um, last one. So to get inspiration and just, you know, just some ideas about their performance, Emma Stone, Ryan Gosling, and Damien, the director, visited Gene Kelly's widow. If you don't know who Gene Kelly is, he plays Don Lockwood in Singing in the Rain. He's like the main character in that movie. Okay. Um, So they visited his widow because Singing in the Rain has a lot of the same style, um, Mm -hmm. like cinematography and music and choreography and all of that stuff so they actually while they were at her house they accidentally let her dog outside oh no and it ran off it took off oh no and so ryan and damien had to run through traffic to get it back oh gosh and i mean thankfully they got it back and everybody was okay but i just i mean can you imagine like driving in your car and just seeing ryan gosling chasing a dog yeah, like that's true <laughs> that yeah he's so crazy yeah that'd be wild but yeah pretty cool Nice. That is all my facts. Okay, cool. Well, then I'll jump into some production details. Um, the information that I have is very minimal. I kind of, I mean, there was a lot out there, but a lot of it was focused on the director. There's a lot of interesting information in regards to the director and how this movie came about. It's a very unusual story, um, but I don't really feel like it's pertinent to what we typically talk about here. So I kind of cherry picked. I I got some interesting stuff, but this episode's probably going to be a little bit shorter than usual just due to that. So with that being said, um, principal photography began in Los Angeles on August 10th, 2015, 
and shooting wrapped in mid-September 2015. Um, everything was shot on location in LA, so there was no stages, no screens, you know, with the exception of some of the, um, like, those sequences where it's silhouettes in front of, like, colors and stars and everything. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, everything was actually shot in LA. Um, the shooting took about 40 days to complete with most shots being done in one take. That's another thing that I found really impressive and um, I have a greater appreciation for the director because um, he didn't like doing cuts and transitions to just kind of keep the flow of the movie going. But instead, what he liked to do was um, capture the performance in its entirety so that it was more sincere. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. um, so. Speaking of the director, Chazelle, uh, Chazelle, I don't know how you say it. He wanted the characters to be in head to toe, a.k.a. a full shot. Um, so meaning that you could see the character, their entire body and all the like music numbers and everything. He didn't really want you to just see like their top half or anything like that. That mm -hmm. was that was one of his big things. And the reason for that was because it uh, resembled um, 1930s musicals. So cool. he kind of wanted it to be a, an homage, kind of a callback to the musicals of those days that he loved growing up. Well, not growing up with, but going back and watching. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So then on the actual shooting of the film, um, the film was not shot digitally. So very uncommon for movies today. There aren't a lot of directors that do that anymore. But he shot the film on, this is really specific, but it's on celluloid four perf super 35 millimeter film with panavision anamorphic lenses in a 2.55 to 1 aspect ratio i have no idea what any of that means <laughs> right and i figured you wouldn't and i don't either at least not without having researched about it and i know our listeners aren't going to know what any of that means but the reason i say all that is because there's a very specific reason why he did this so back in the day and like the earlier days of Hollywood, there was this technology called CinemaScope. CinemaScope is an old film technology that no longer exists, but what it, what it allowed filmmakers to do is essentially take a super wide shot, so something that normally you would not be able to capture in camera because directors were limited to how wide of a shot they could do, basically uh, limited to what they could fit inside a square on the film. Because then that film is obviously projected, but it allowed them to capture a super wide shot, compress it into the 35 millimeter square so that it would fit in there. And then when it's projected, it goes back into that super wide shot. So that's what CinemaScope did. It allowed them to do that, but that doesn't exist anymore. So what uh, Damien did was essentially recreate a modern version of CinemaScope so that he could have those really wide shots that would resemble the 1930s musicals and whatnot. And I didn't really think about it um, like while I watched the movie and whatnot. But when I know this now, there are some really, really gorgeous shots in the movie mm -hmm. that are super wide like that. And I think specifically when um, Mia and... Ryan, or Mia and Sebastian, mm -hmm. Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling, are looking for Mia's car, and then mm -hmm. they do that big dance number kind of overlooking the valley and whatnot. Yeah. There's some really cool uh, wide shots in there, and mm -hmm. that was only possible because they did this. Yeah. Cool. So, 
yeah, I thought that was super cool. And then last but not least, I have, um, actually it was, I was just talking about this. So perfect segue here. So that very scene where they're looking for Mia's car, mm-hmm. that was a six minute long sequence where they're looking for her Prius that was shot at golden hour as one continuous shot. So do you know, are you familiar with golden hour? Yes. And I also read some of this too. Okay. So yeah, golden hour is basically, it's, sometimes it's referred to as magic hour, but it's when um, it, it, can, it happens twice a day, each day. It's either right at sunrise or basically right before sunset, but it's when the sky is lit up with those red and orange hues. Mm-hmm. Um, that's golden hour. And there are a lot of Hollywood movies that like to capture this because it's very artistic and really pretty. Um, so this shot was, or this scene was shot at golden hour and it was one continuous shot so they had to capture the entire six minute performance of them talking walking dancing singing all of that in one take and if they messed up then they had to stop and redo it Mm -hmm. so it took them um eight takes and a total of two days to shoot it because golden hour doesn't last hardly any time at all Mm -hmm. um so their time was very limited But Ryan and Emma finally nailed it. And when they did, everybody erupted and went nuts. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So that's actually, that's all I have as far as production details go. So I think we can just move on to our our opinions of the movie, our likes, our dislikes. So I'll start off. I'll ask you, how would you rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 100? It's hard. I was going to ask you first so I could get a gauge for what you're doing because... I really love this movie, and it's very different than anything else we've talked about. Yeah. So it's hard for me to, like, you know, like, gauge it based off of other similar type movies, if that makes sense, like other musicals and stuff. Right. Oh, I'm leaning toward, like, a 91. Okay. Yeah, I'm right in that neighborhood, too. I was originally thinking, like, 91. But I think I'll probably score it as, I'm going to say, a 93. Okay, so why higher? Do you have a deeper appreciation for it now that you've learned all that stuff about the director and everything? Um, I wouldn't say so. Um, I don't think that anything changed. Just when I think back about the movie, I really do like this movie. Like, it's a, it's a really good, enjoyable movie. I think that I could really watch it, like, at any time mm-hmm. and enjoy it. I don't feel like it's... Like, there's, there's some movies that I love, um, but, you know, if it's, like, a super action-heavy movie, I'm not always in the mood to watch that. You know, if it's, like, mm-hmm. 9 a.m. on a Saturday and I have nothing to do, which I don't watch movies that often at that time, But let's say I do, I might not want to start the day off with, you know, like Terminator 2 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But anywho, um, yeah, I I just really enjoy this movie. I I think one thing that like for me, I'm not huge on musicals. You know this, and I know I've said it on the podcast before, um, but something that's special and unique about musicals in contrast to pretty much every other genre that's out there um i feel like musicals kind of capture imagination and wonder Mm -hmm. really really well without feeling like uh oh that was weird Mm -hmm. you know like the sequence where mia and sebastian are dancing um 
both at the end of the the very end of the movie Mm -hmm. and in kind of the middle where they're at like the um like the stargazing place and whatnot the observatory yes the observatory i was blanking there thank you um in both of those instances like like in one instance they just like start floating into the stars (laughs) and whatnot which like it's it's fine it's a musical you know there's nothing wrong with it it's the same as like uh well, I think in Greece, when like somebody starts descending from heaven, when they're singing beauty school dropout or whatever, or I don't. Uh, yeah, I, don't, I, <laughs> I know what you're talking yeah, about. I, yeah, I don't love Greece <laughs> at all. Um, I wouldn't even say it's top three musicals for me. I don't love musicals. But um, anywho, just stuff like that. Like it happens and people just accept it because it's a musical, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so I think that's really, really cool. Something that is fun and different about musical uh, musicals as opposed to other movies. And I can really appreciate that, especially in this movie. I also really like um, Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone's dynamic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there's like there's something super simplistic about the movie that just resonates. It doesn't feel over the top or um, unrelatable. It actually mm-hmm. feels very relatable, just in the sense that, like, Ryan is a guy who has a dream who's really not taking any concrete steps to pursue it. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, that's everybody. You know, at some point or another in your life, you've had a pipe dream that, like, you would absolutely love, but you're not going to pursue. Right. And then Emma Stone's character, conversely, is someone who has a dream that she's actively pursuing in every effort that she can. Mm -hmm. And that's relatable, too. You know, at some point in your life, you've had something that you're passionate about that you're chasing. Right. And it I feel like it really depicts the struggles of that, um, you know, the heartache, the frustration really, really well. And I think, too, um, when Emma Stone's character and Ryan Gosling's character first start, like, seriously dating. Mm-hmm. Um, she calls her mom and is talking to her, you know, kind of talking Sebastian up and like, oh, he's going to open a jazz club one day. And then, you know, her mom, you don't hear anything she's saying, but you can pretty much gather what she's saying based on Mia's responses. Right. Um, you can basically tell that she's like being skeptical and really doesn't believe Mia and, you know, cause Mia's having to defend him. Like, no, he, you know, he's figuring it out right now, you know, whatever. Right. And that prompts uh, Sebastian to basically go do something that he can do, but doesn't necessarily want to do. Mm -hmm. But it's a way for him to make a living and do well. And, um, you know, I think that's kind of it encapsulates the human condition really well, Um, kind of, especially in our modern era, um, you know, like, hey, what's more important to you? your dream or a family or, you know, do you, cause that's something that a lot of people do choose, you mm-hmm. know, like, Hey, I'd actually really like to be X, Y, Z, but at this point in my life, it's more important to me to have a wife and kids. Right. And maybe that could be super successful for me down the road, but you know, um, that happens to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that it's bad or wrong, but it's just, it's real. Right. And I think the movie does a good job of that, and um, I don't know. I really like it. I think kind of to your point, like um, one of the reasons that I really love it, because I'm the complete opposite of John. I love musicals, like yeah. any kind of musical, I will watch it. But um, 
I really appreciate this one because I think one downfall of musicals that I struggle with is how cheesy they can be. Yeah, that's true. And this, I would not say is cheesy at all. I think, like you were saying, it's very real. Um, Obviously, in real life, we don't just break out in song or float around in a planetarium. But we, I mean, a lot of the problems and... um, like you know character attribute attributes and um i mean the ending it's very real it's not something that's like oh this is like a really you know happy feel good movie like it's it's reality you know and i um i would totally agree with you there uh, just on the note of like not breaking out into song at any moment. Like that doesn't happen in real life. And I honestly, it doesn't happen that often in this movie either. No. You know, even though it is a musical, I feel like every music number is appropriate. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think most of the time the music numbers are um, used to convey emotion. Mm -hmm. And most of the time it's romance. Um, Some of the times it's sadness. Um, But I, I think it's just, I really enjoy that it's not just like someone's standing in their bedroom and then for no reason they just start singing and then everybody in the whole neighborhood is in front of their house doing a a dance number you know yeah i think i think the only part in this movie that's like that is just the opening scene and i think that's just to kind of you know just intro it like yes yeah like and it's yeah and i don't have any problem with that right um i think it you know it's a nice introduction just to the idea of hey this is a a musical that's set basically in hollywood and uh outside of that every other music number feels uh right on point Mm -hmm. and um yeah so that that's really all i was gonna say there yeah so um the first time i this is kind of changing subjects a little bit okay i want to talk some about the ending oh yes because so for those of you who don't know like john hadn't seen this movie until he and I started dating and I had seen this movie. Well, when did it come out? October, December of 2016. Yeah. So it came out a month after John and I started dating. Okay. So I went and saw it and um, then I don't know when you and I watched it together. It was after that. You had it on DVD. Yes, I had it on DVD. So I was like, John, I know you don't like musicals, but I really like this movie. Can we watch it? And so John and I watched it and, you know, it was like, I, I feel like you enjoyed it, you know, like yeah. as it was going and yes. stuff. But um, the ending, I still remember right when the credits started rolling, he took it out of the DVD player and marched in the kitchen like he was going to throw it in the trash can. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously not because he hated the movie, but the ending is so difficult to it's get brutal. through. It's it, very it hard. It hurts. Yeah. Yeah. So, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but the the ending, I mean, you are hardcore rooting throughout the whole movie for Sebastian and Emma, or Emma, Mia, Mia to end up together you know i mean well they are together for the whole movie and then they kind of go their separate ways but there's this but then there's like a big a big moment yeah where uh sebastian pretty much puts everything on the line Mm -hmm. he goes out of his way to drive to uh wherever mia lives yeah and honks his horn in front of her house makes a bunch of the neighbors angry she's super embarrassed but he puts it all on the line 
and she goes along with it. Right. You know, it basically seems like they're together. Yeah. And they I mean, she has an audition and it goes pretty well. And, you know, they're kind of talking afterward about like, okay, so what does this look like? Like the movie shoots in Paris. Like what like are are we going to try to make this work? What's going to happen? You know? Right. And basically they just kind of decide if we go our separate ways, you know, what happens happens and we might, you know, we might get back together, but we don't know, you know, and they, they're like, I'll I'll always love you. Right. You know, I'm always, I'll be grateful for the, the time we had together, like a very sincere. Right. But they're more or less just saying like, we can't keep going forward. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that they said it, like, obviously, the first time I saw it, like, I was sad, but it kind of still gave me hope. Like, you know, oh, the, surely, like, yeah. it's a movie. They'll find their way back together. Like, yeah. you know, well, they don't. Right. Yeah, they don't. <laughs> they don't. And so it, like, kind of cuts from that to... To a smack in the five face. Years, <laughs> to five years Mio in the future. walking home, and she opens the door and kisses some stranger. <laughs> and as, as she goes and greets her little daughter... Uh, who's very cute, but you got this rando guy that yeah, she's with, and right. then you find out that they're married uh-huh. and that they had they built a life together. They have a house, they have a kid, yeah, and they're they're going out for a date night, right? But then it goes one step further to just uh, really, just really shove it in take your face that knife that are- and just drag it right <laughs> through your heart. Uh, they go into Seb's, yeah. which is the nightclub or jazz club. That Sebastian opened, mm-hmm. um, which, which by Mia the way, Mia did not know about until she stepped in the door that he right, opened it. Right, she did not know it was there. They just heard jazz music from the street because mm-hmm. they had left the restaurant they were eating dinner at, and uh, they heard it. They're like, "Oh, let's let's check this out." Right, and so then they walk down there, and then she sees the neon sign. Once they're finally inside, mm-hmm. it says Sebs, and if you remember earlier in the movie, she drew the logo for that, mm-hmm. and this is like. I don't know why I've seen the movie two or three times now and I never realized it, but um, that Sebs is short for Sebastian. You didn't realize that? No, I I never. (laughs) I honestly, honestly, I never realized that um, until just we watched it this week in preparation for the podcast. Did you have any theories of why it was called Sebs? No, I just thought it was a name. (laughs) Okay, well. I don't know why I never realized it, but I never did. Yeah. So anyways, they get into the, you know, the jazz club or whatever, and they sit down and there's just like some, a random jazz band playing, you know, and then Sebastian comes out on stage Yep. and is, you know, like introducing the band, the players and all that stuff. And then he spots Mia and the audience and, you know, gets real quiet and he's like, welcome to Seb's. Yeah. And then he sits down and starts playing, you know, the song that is like brought yeah. up every, you know, it's, 10 it's, minutes in the, mo- it's the movie. It's the main basically. theme of the yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah. And then when they really get you, yeah. <laughs> they, they start, you know, it's like playing this series of scenes of like, oh, what could have been if right. Mia and Sebastian did end up together, you know, like. Yep. It's showing like what it would have been like if they had a kid and what, you know, like, like what would have happened if Sebastian hadn't said yes to Keith, who, you know, like gave him that job, yeah, gave him that job that he didn't like, you know, and like, there's just all these like, what if scenarios going through. Yeah. And it's brutal to watch, especially when it cuts back because, um, 
it shows, you know, Sebastian and Mia being the ones to go to the jazz club at the end and Sebastian and Mia sitting down and enjoying the jazz music. But then it cuts to her and her real husband. And it's like, ugh, so hard. Yeah, it's brutal. Absolutely. I mean, I just one of the hardest endings to a movie to watch. Mm -hmm. And I still love this movie. Yes. You know, I I don't think I'd rate it any higher just because of how much the ending hurts. Mm-hmm. But it's that doesn't mean it's a bad movie, right? Or that I shouldn't watch it or anything. Like, um, you know, I I hear people say like, oh, you know, I don't like listening to that band or that song because it's sad music. Mm-hmm. Or why would I want to listen to that if it makes me sad? Like, okay, uh, I I get where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. I am very much the opposite. I I really like listening to like melancholy music and whatnot. Not like all the time, but I very much enjoy it because I feel like it it tethers me, especially being a man to my emotions. You mm-hmm. know, like it keeps me grounded and and also in the reality that, hey, life is short. And I know Josh said this on episode seven, but life is short and I want to live it well. One of my favorite quotes from Switchfoot in one of their songs. Um, but it rings really true. So, you know, having pain, sorrow, heartache in these f- fictional spaces serves as a really good reminder, at least I I feel like to, hey, you know, if you're not careful, you are going to miss out on opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, life will pass you by if you don't seize the day, if you don't get out there and, you know, uh, take that risk or, you know, take that next step or take that leap of faith or, or whatever. Right. Um. So I think it is important um, to move past that initial thought of, well, I don't want to watch it. It's just going to make me upset or make me sad or, or, or whatever. I get where you're coming from. But just, just remember that these things do happen in life mm-hmm. and that you should be intentional in, uh, in seizing the day, essentially. Mm-hmm. You know, but, but yeah, it, it's a tough one. Yeah. And I mean... One one thing that I do appreciate, despite how brutal the ending is, is that, you know, like when Mia is leaving Seb's, leaving the cafe, you know, she's following her husband out. He leaves and she pauses for a moment and looks back to Sebastian, who is still sitting at the piano. And um, she just kind of looks at him and then he makes eye contact with her. And, you know, just gives her like a soft like smile and just like a nod of the head like, you know, like it's okay. Yeah. And she, you know, does the same back. And so I appreciated that they did that just because, you know, like it shows that like one, they still love each other Mm -hmm. Two, that, you know, it's okay that they didn't end up together. And also, I think it was his way of maybe even saying like, you know, I'm all right, you know, like, yeah. And yeah. Because you can tell by the look on her face that she is like, you know, concerned about him and that she misses him. Mm-hmm. And so it's just kind of, I think, their way of reassuring one another, if that makes any sense. Yeah, but. it does. I, I think it, it too, it kind of is a um, bittersweet moment because after all that like devastating, you know, like that, that sequence of seeing them together, what could have been. Mm-hmm you have this really sweet moment between them where it's like, Hey, uh, you know, more or less, thank you for everything you did for me. Yeah. I mm-hmm. appreciate you. And, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Right. Basically. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Yep. Okay. Anything else you want to cover? 
I don't think so. There, there is one more thing I want to say. What's that? So I meant to say this earlier, but my, do you know what my favorite scene in this movie is? Oh, I don't. I don't think so. So my absolute favorite scene in this movie is at the pool party when Ryan Gosling is playing the keyboards. That is a good one. Not mm-hmm. for any reason other than I just think it's hilarious how annoyed he gets that Mia requests. Uh, I can't even remember the song. I, I ran. ran. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just it's so funny because he's like, you you can't request that to a serious musician. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't know. It's just really funny to me. Yeah. And I love their interaction there. So I love also before that when he is playing and, you know, the lead singer is like, you know, like giving him like gestures like, you know, put some passion into yes, it. And yeah. it's like just yeah. like the forced, you know, like, quote unquote, like passion. He's like yeah. Seb- Sebastian is yeah. putting into it. It's pretty funny, too. Yeah. But. And on that same note, when Mia requests Iran, the lead singer's like, yes, that's a great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and Sebastian hates it. It's, yeah. Yeah. I think it's hilarious. Yes. But is. okay, cool. Well, that's all we got for this week, guys. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, we had a lot of fun covering this one. And and next week, we're going to be covering Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one with Gene Wilder, not yes. the one with Johnny Depp. Yes. Yeah. The classic one. Yes. The best one. I agree. Yes. Yeah. We might get some backlash for that, but. No, nah, that's okay. I'm really excited about covering it. That's, uh, I guess you could say that's a musical too. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that is one of my all time favorite movies. Yeah. Love that movie. So join us next week for that one. Really excited about it. Um, we appreciate all the love you guys are showing the show. Um, Interstellar grew at such a fast rate. We've never had an episode uh, get watched that many times. So we appreciate you guys. We're seeing new followers on our Spotify page each week. So welcome to the show. Uh, You know, if you like what you're hearing, give us a thumbs up on YouTube. Leave us a comment. Let us know, you know, what you like. Or if you have a suggestion of a movie for us to cover, let us know. Um, But with that, we will see you guys next week. See ya. Bye.